Hi, I'm Coindesk reporter Lee Quinn, joined today by Spank Chain Community Manager Ali Eve Knox to talk about Bitcoin and the sex industry. Thanks for joining us today, Ali. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you start us off with a little bit of your background? When we say the word sex worker, that can mean so many things. What types of work do you do beyond Spank Chain? Okay, I think that I'm a whole bunch of different kinds of sex workers. So I cam, I make clips, I sell fetish clothing, sometimes I shoot porn. I kind of run the gamut of online sex work. I also know that in some of that experience, you've been deplatformed by companies like uh, PayPal or Square or Coinbase. Why is it that sex industry professionals have such a hard time using traditional financial services, even if what they're offering is a lawful and regulated project? Uh, there's a couple of reasons. One of them, I mean, I think it's a morality thing. I know when I got shut down on PayPal, like in 2014, they were like, hey, you're violating our terms of service. And I remember writing them back and being like, exactly what am I doing? Like I was selling socks. I was taking tributes. Like, how is this a thing? And they were just like, you know, we don't really, we don't really like this. So we're not going to let you do it. And it was like, oh, okay, well, it was in the terms. I violated it. Totally true. I, I absolutely get it. But I think it's also because it's high risk. So it's a thing where if your husband was to go buy a Skype time for me and you saw it on his credit card bill, you weren't happy about it. You called the credit card company. They instantly take it out off of your account. Well, they take that money back from me. It's called a chargeback. These types of things lend us to a, a high risk. We have a high risk label. So it means instead of getting the like, you know, 1% or 3% in regular credit card charges, we get a 10 to 15%. No one's any cheaper than that. That's just how it rolls in adult and you are just kind of stuck with it, which is a real bummer because <laughs> where else do you go? You know, you need payments. Um, yeah. yeah, that stuff blows my mind. So yeah. preparing for this podcast, I asked a bunch of different sex workers what their experiences were like and what they thought about cryptocurrency. And one person said to me that she sees Bitcoin now as absolutely essential to her work because she's already been deplatformed from three different banks. But other people also had different kinds of experiences. One of the things that I heard that made me absolutely infuriated, but I completely understand where she was coming from, was there was a erotic filmmaker uh, who said that she feels like the crypto users that she's gotten payments from and worked with don't actually respect sex workers or want to listen to her, but they, they just want to make money off of us, is what she had said. And that the vibe that she's experienced altogether just makes her want to avoid the technology. In your experience, do you think that Bitcoiners are using sex workers as like a prop for their censorship resistance revolution? Or do you think that what she's experiencing is just a reflection of the broader common issue among consumers who dehumanize porn producers? You know, I think, I think it's a combo. I've gotten both. I've definitely, you know, been used in different types of media for clicks because hot girls bring clicks, right? And it's mm -hmm. not a thing where they were actually like proud of me or excited about the thing I do or stand behind anything that I do or anything like that. But I bring some clicks. So they're going to talk about me and use me as an example. Plus, I'm loud and have a bunch of followers and people respect me. So I think that I've certainly been used in that way. I think that's how I accidentally became this like accidental crypto evangelist, which wasn't my plan. Because like you were saying, like, I have to stay away from crypto Twitter. I am very clear, like, please don't tag me in things. Don't interact with me in crypto Twitter. Like, I don't want the traffic because the traffic is like really rough. Mm -hmm. um, I've had a lot of hate just for being a sex worker and selling the Bitcoin name. So that's a real bummer. However, it is essential to my business. I wouldn't have been able to take payments from 2014 until probably late 2017 if it weren't for Bitcoin. And I'm thoroughly thankful to Bitcoin for sure. 
The majority of what I own is Bitcoin. The majority of what I take is Bitcoin. I've been very lucky and happy with it. It's just the community at large sometimes is a little too much. Yeah, I feel like there's this cognitive dissonance between yeah. Bitcoiners love to talk about the censorship resistant value that it can bring to the sex industry about how it can empower women. And yet on the other hand, from a very, very limited understanding, the idea of sex workers being able to take their financial independence through this technology is still an extreme niche. It is not uh, very common for a wide range of reasons. Absolutely. Uh, for, from your perspective, I know that SpankChain helps uh, payment processing for some platforms, and there's also other payment processing providers that can work with adult industry companies. But have you noticed that when you work with other platforms outside the crypto industry that accept or work with Bitcoin, that they charge higher fees or the same amount of fees? Like how is that in compared to if you were to try and cash out in fiat from some of these platforms? Um, I don't know. I've only taken it through straight through wallets. I've never used in another adult a platform to take any crypto. So I really don't know percentages wise. But I know like on bank chain, we take 1% from the models, which is going to be higher than if you would use a regular wallet. However, like my Coinbase wallet got immediately shut down because I was violating the terms by selling mm -hmm. things through it that I shouldn't have been doing, um, like socks and panties, uh, you know, scandalous things. <laughs> so they shut me down. And that's the beauty of something like Spank Chain. Is that's who we're geared to. That's who we protect. That's who we're made for. So that's the benefit. So if I have to give a 1% fee to make sure that I get my money, you know, sometimes it's really worth it. Yeah. So 1% is actually the lowest I've ever heard of any company. Yeah. When I've been talking to sex workers across the space, They've been telling me that, I mean, obviously for fiat as well, but especially for Bitcoin, the kinds of percentages that they'll get charged to cash out for any company that actually accepts crypto, and rarely will that mean they actually get to cash out in crypto, are huge compared to what you would get if you were to be running any other kind of business on any other kind of platform. That wouldn't shock me whatsoever. Yeah. So, And one performer told me, for example, that when she was trying to get cashed out in crypto from a, a platform that accepts crypto, they delayed her payment for months. And so the volatility in the meantime just really killed her earnings. And it's got me thinking, could layer two solutions like Lightning that make it maybe easier to do micropayments or subscriptions have any kind of application for the adult entertainment industry? Do you think that that solves any issues for camming and, and video streaming platforms? Or do you think that the issues are something unrelated to that entirely? Both. The problem that we're finding right now is it's just really confusing. Not mm. only that, like, we're catering to, you know, people that have crypto already because getting crypto, the crypto on-ramp is just a, like kind of a nightmare, honestly. You're trying to talk these, you know, 15, 60-year-old men that have been on campsites. They've been using their credit cards forever. They've been on those sites for 10 years. Those sites have never changed. Like they're very used to it. It's no problem. You're trying to talk them into getting crypto. So that's a whole process of going through your KYC, getting all your things, transferring it over. That's been a real problem. So we're just catering currently to the people that already have crypto. We'll then take an even smaller percentage of that for people that pay for your porn. So that's a tiny little base, right? That's been very problematic. Also, people don't really understand it. Like when you tell models you have to cash out from a wallet to an exchange and you have to sell it and then it goes to your bank account. It's just one of those things that, first of all, models think it's kind of scammy and weird. And second of all, nobody really understands it. And it doesn't matter that, you know, nobody really understands cash or how credit cards work or anything like that. Crypto's just got this stigma attached to it to where people are like, I don't know if I want to learn this or this is new or weird or, you know, this is just used on the black market and all the things that, you know, that people always say about crypto. But people in the adult think those things. I know that when we went to our first conference, 
our first year, people were like, crypto. And our second year, people were like, ah, crypto. And our third year, now people are like, oh, crypto. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of a cool thing because people are starting to get that it's not really that hard. I mean, we have a bunch of partners at List Bank Chain that have gone through the process. Like they weren't necessarily familiar with it in the first place. So they've gone through the process of cashing out all the time and we keep it stable. So it's much easier. So if you sell your panties for $75, you get to cash out $75. And that's um, a big thing because at first we didn't. So it was fluctuating. So when models would cash out, they'd be like, oh, this had dropped by the time that I cashed out. This is weird. This is a scam. This is not what I like. So we had to really change that on our back end. I think that, like you were saying, those solutions are going to be really big for the industry, a lot of industries, and are really going to make things more, um, I don't know, just less weird, less scammy, I guess. One of the women I heard from who goes on Twitter by expensive underscore ho said that she's building a, yeah, right. I love that name. She's building a video distribution platform with Bitcoin as the main payment system called Nail Polish. And I thought it's really cool that now we're starting to see even more platforms for sex workers made by sex workers. Yeah. But on the other hand, across the board from everyone from on Twitter, she's called a Bitcoin stripper to, I mean, just really everyone I talk to about this. They keep telling me that for them, the biggest challenge is getting customers to pay for porn. Yes. And even then, getting customers to pay for porn with their Bitcoin yep. is just itself a, a huge onboarding challenge. Yes. So let's assume Absolutely. even if the tech were to work and be perfect and seamless, why do you think it's not so easy as just, okay, so like we have a platform that can offer this payment system for you to just compete with Pornhub and Chatterbait and poof, we've disrupted the entire industry. What do you think that crypto-based sites need to do in order to actually compete and disrupt that kind of paradigm? Yeah, I, I'm going to catch hell for this because <laughs> I've caught hell for this before. But I don't necessarily know that it's a crypto platform as more as its ecosystem. I think it's this thing where we all need to band together and figure out some solutions, how to make you know some better education, maybe how to make some better PR about the space in general better, easier on-ramps for people, because that's what it's going to take, right? You need to get in the hands of the people that aren't familiar with this. And that's the problem that we've had at Spring Chain also, is we built some cool things. We got great models on. We had a great community, but the price was going down. Nobody wanted to spend a $20 Skype that later could be, you know, a $600 Skype. Like that, that was just a thing that people didn't want to throw their money into. And then, like I said before, getting those people that had crypto and that would pay for porn on top of that it just really dwindled your customer base so i think that getting a wider customer base is really going to be the solution and <laughs> i hate to say this you may have to edit this out so i don't get hate mail but i think that libra is going to be a big solution i think that it's going to put crypto in the hands of the baby boomers and Facebook has enough money where they can do some regulations and they can make things really easy because the people that are on crypto right now, I mean, on Facebook right now are like my parents, right? So they're going to have to make it super simple for my mother to use any kind of crypto. And I think that Facebook might be able to figure it out. Not that I'm excited about Facebook, you know, having their own thing because they're not going to let sex work on their platform or anything, but I think it's going to normalize the way that crypto is used. My jaw just dropped on the floor. Like, it has not had a great record when it comes to keeping sex workers safe on their platform. Right, right. They aren't going to let us on at all, but it's going to put the crypto in the hands of customers. You know what I mean? It's going to mm. make them more familiar. And I think that's what we really need is we just need more people on board getting familiar, not necessarily using Libra because I don't give a, you know, for anything about yeah. Libra. It's just making it easier for them to get it and normalizing this whole thing. I think that's going to be the big key. 
Yeah, and maybe there could be kinds of services or platforms that people would pay with Libra or pay with fiat and they would convert to crypto for the performers to cash out in for themselves. It doesn't have to necessarily be through Facebook. Yeah, I don't, it's, it's, it won't be through Facebook at all. They're not going to let us on at all. You know, they won't even let us create profiles or keep profiles, anything like that. It's just, I think the process of putting it into people's hands, they may be able to do it. So I want to switch gears a little bit. And so I know that you've used wallets quite a bit. Have you ever used Lightning or a Layer 2 solution yourself? No. That makes sense. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't had to. So no. When that I have sense. to, I'll learn it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've noticed so far is that people tend to learn the technology that they need in order to solve a problem, right? Yeah. And nothing more, yeah. nothing less. That's the truth. So one of the things that I found that Bitcoin is actually pretty useful for, um, at least that's what people have been telling me, is this concept of financial domination. Could you give yeah. me a brief overview of what FinDom is and how crypto might be useful for something like that? Totally. So FinDom is like me taking control of your finances. So it's a power exchange. You know, people have really strange relationships with money, myself included. So when you give up things that, like if you have to sacrifice going to Starbucks every single day because you're sending me that in exchange, you know, there's a whole lot of things that are going to come from that, not just the power struggle or the things that you're giving up. It's also like, you want me to flourish. You want me to have more. It's the act of giving. In addition to it's training you to be better. So there's a lot of relationship management that goes along with FinDom, I would say. When you get online, you see people saying, pay me, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and putting their middle finger up. I don't know if that's even ever worked for anyone just to do because it's so much more than that. It's just pure relationship management, getting to know people, you know, getting in their head, <laughs> making these relationships and having them sacrifice for the good of my happiness, <laughs> which is really wonderful. I found it accidentally because I have my own personal relationships with money that are like super unhealthy and everything because I've been poor and it was really terrible. And so I hustled more than you could possibly imagine in every single way that you could possibly imagine to never live that way again, which made me have a really strange relationship with money. So now when people give it up to me, it's a lot more powerful, if that makes any sense. Yeah. FinDom itself is like centered around the concept of fetishizing both the challenges and elation, the, yes. the sense of victory that we feel when we conquer yep. this fear of money. That's the truth. Yep. I don't know if anyone's ever sent you, you know, $2,000 when you woke up in the morning, but it'll give you a rush. <laughs> no, definitely not. But <laughs> I've heard of Doms doing things like making their slaves mine cryptocurrency or even do research on different cryptocurrencies for them because the concept of the challenge of the activity itself is part of that kinky display of devotion. To the That's master. for sure. Mm -hmm. That following tasks, you know, following rules, educating themselves and becoming better people. I mean, that's all a, a huge part of it. So with that in mind, what types of tools do you think sex workers need in order to actually rely on or benefit from Bitcoin censorship resistant properties? Is it anything beyond secure wallets? <sighs> education, tons and tons and tons of education. I mean, for sure. Sex works friendly exchanges. That's always a thing. Because finding people that are going to, you know, let us move money through is always a thing. We're stigmatized and we're always thrown in the bucket of human trafficking or, you know, drug sales, all the things that people think on the dark web, like sex work's always thrown into that. You know, I've never sold a single illegal thing on any of my crypto. Like I said earlier, it's just like panties and socks and my time. So finding people that are going to keep us in business or let us stay in business rather that's going to be huge. I'm trying to go through what I've heard about the challenges in general. 
So one of the sex workers I spoke with, she was the only one who had this opinion, but she's actually used Bitcoin, so I respect that she has this opinion, is that she believes it's too dangerous to use Bitcoin because of mm-hmm. the public ledger aspect. And she's really concerned about it being tied to our identity. So maybe wallets mm-hmm. with privacy features and mixers. Yeah. But beyond yeah. that, one of the things you'd mentioned is the volatility being a really serious issue. So what do you think mm-hmm. about stable coins then, whether that's Tether or whether that's DAI, things that are less likely to go up and down between the payment and the cash out process? Yeah, I think that's going to be huge, particularly for people that are new and unfamiliar. I mean, for me, I liked the gamble. I got in really early and sold at a really good time. So I was very lucky. I had some foresight, luckily, to do this. But I think now with, you know, the volatility even more and I think that's going to be huge for people to learn how to use stable coins. I know that when we switched over on our back end, people really enjoyed it and liked it a lot more. It made them feel more comfortable. It was a thing they didn't have to learn because I know like when I started with crypto, I would watch that price all day. And it was just this extra layer of like stress and anxiety that I was just not into at all, especially in this kind of market. So that's just an extra layer of things that people don't really need to throw on. The dangerous thing, I haven't necessarily had that. I mean, I get all tax forms on all the crypto that I've sold. I don't necessarily take or put all of my info out there. So I'm really pretty careful. Like I use a bunch of different wallets. I use them for different places. So if I'm going to use a public wallet, I move it through. Mixers are a huge thing (laughs) or running through exchanges for something else. I mean, I've been really pretty good about keeping my identity off of things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's for sure a real thing. I know that when the first time I used Ethereum, I was like, I could put this address in and I can see all the things. Like, this is very weird. Like, I can see how much my boss has in his wallet. Like, this is a very weird thing. But now that mixers are coming through, I think it's going to spice things up a little. <laughs> so you mentioned that it was really comfortable for people when they started working with stable coins because they're used to that kind of price. Mm-hmm. For you, when you work with it, do you prefer to transfer that? Like, do you want to use an exchange to immediately put that into Bitcoin for storage? Or do you want to use that stable coin for buying things? Like for you, what do you think is the most useful flow? So, okay, you've received it. You've received the value. Now yeah. as someone who wants to long-term be engaged with this space, how do you want to protect and, and use that? So I'm a gambler, so I'm going to let it ride. And I'm going to check the price all day and have that extra anxiety and all of those things. I typically switch out to Bitcoin almost immediately because it's what I love and it's what I'm familiar with. And then I store. I've only cashed out one time and it was a a pretty big one, but I haven't done it since. I don't know that I will until Bitcoin gets a little bit higher and then I'll sell every single thing and nobody will ever hear from me again. It'll be wonderful. So please, you'll have to invite me to your desert island when you retire. I will, but you can't tell anybody where I'm at. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. (laughs) I know you've been working in the space even before crypto. I remember your career a little bit before Spank Chain. Since all the time- Yeah, right. We've all grown so much. What is it that you think that you wish that most people that definitely want to increase the the ethics of this space and the financial power that performers have in this space need to understand about the broader industry and the big power players and how it is that we can actually help individuals that are very much sometimes held captive to these platforms and when those platforms let them cash out, when those platforms don't how those platforms help them acquire customers, how they can find it without that? I think that's like a bigger question, like culturally and socially. And 
removing these stigmas are going to be a thing that's going to really help us get paid and people pay us and our customers come and be more comfortable paying for sex work or even talking about sex work or even retweeting sex workers. I mean, there's so many layers to this where we need help. Please, please, please. I was just at AVN this last week and I was having an interview with this mainstream media guy and he was saying, you know, what can we do to help? And I was like, just print decent stuff. Like be nice to us. And when you print things and don't put, you know, porn star on the headline when we die, like just be better to us. And it's going to make people feel more comfortable paying or coming or speaking with us or being with us or dating us. You know, those are all very real things that we deal with all the time. Not necessarily with crypto, but it's, it's, you know, it all ties in. If we can normalize helping out all the hoes in the industry, like it's really gonna be a better space for everyone, you know, a perfect (laughs) little world. I don't know. I think actually you're bringing up a really good point because maybe some of the reason that some people, there's just some people that don't want to pay with their Bitcoin because they believe the price will go up to moon. Yeah. Right. But there are other people that are maybe just ashamed to pay for a service that they don't want to admit to themselves that they're, they're paying for and enjoying and consuming. That's a, that's a huge, huge part of it. Huge part. I mean, I might meet people all the time or hang out with people all the time. And that's always a thing is like, the first thing they say is like, I, I don't pay for sex work. Like, I'm not going to pay a sex worker. And it's like, wait, <laughs> what do you think I'm doing here, bro? Like, have you never watched porn before? <laughs> have you never watched porn before? Have you never enjoyed sex workers before? I mean, there's so much like healing and education and fun that you can have in the space if you just like let yourself be and not be so worried about what someone's going to say if they see your picture on Twitter. In the beginning of this conversation, we talked about how particularly in the crypto space, it can be really rough for women. It can be even more brutal for sex workers. What do you think that Bitcoiners can do in order to counteract that and help make it a more safe environment for sex workers to learn about crypto and for sex workers to advertise and to work and to just be human as part of the space? Yeah, I mean, that's part of it, just being inclusive and open to us helping us. I know that when we started on our campsite, people would come in and instead of asking for, you know, a masturbation show or whatever, they would teach the sex workers that were online, like how to use crypto. And it was so interesting to me that like people were coming from this community to help us. It was like, oh, this is so great. They're going to teach us how to do these things. They want us to flourish and have all this greatness that they share too. And I think that's really huge, like bringing us into the community and accepting us and being there for us and supporting us. For me personally, like I accidentally became this activist because I have a loud mouth and I have like passions. And so, you know, there's a lot of like decriminalized sex work. All those things are on my Twitter and I put all the facts up and everything like that. And I think that if people in crypto could see like there are things that we're going through that people in crypto may go through soon. All the censorship that we're going through with all these bills, like it's coming for crypto too. And if we can band together and help each other and support each other, we're going to go a lot farther. I hear that some of the things that we can do in order to increase the utility that Bitcoin has for censorship resistance is specifically when it comes to lawful sex work is to put your crypto where your mouth is, make sure to speak up for people and to speak to them respectfully. Yes. And to, in general, be thoughtful about your consumption. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you think that you want to leave us with in terms of how it is that we can increase Bitcoin's utility in that particular sector and also to recognize when there is utility already there and already innovation happening from the sex work sector. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing is, you, you know, you, you go to Twitter and you find the sex workers that are selling things in crypto and then you start buying from them. 
you start supporting them, you start putting more Bitcoin in the ecosystem into the hands of the models. And I know that's how it was for me. Like I never wanted to necessarily use Bitcoin, but someone came in and said, hey, I just heard that your thing got shut down. Let me show you how to use this thing. And it was like this really empowering moment. And for him, it was a really good thing too. Like I know whenever something comes out about me, he always writes on my Snapchat and he's like, I taught you how to do this thing. And it's like, yes, you did. You know, that was a moment that he was able to share also, like teaching me how to do this, being able to change my life, honestly. And that's really huge, like to have that type of relationship with someone and give that type of power to someone. That's huge. I think that most guys don't realize, I will never forget the guy who gave me my first Bitcoin, tiny, tiny amount, like literally cents, because I was so scared and it seemed yeah. so complicated. And he just sat down with me and kept being like, don't worry, you know, like click the button and we'll, you know, copy it down, write it down. You, you can, like, we can do this. I know that you're not super great with technology, but this is doable. And the and rest is history, now. right? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so just helping people, I guess, and being respectful and being yeah, like, I believe sure. that you can do this yourself. Yeah, is- absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ali, for joining us. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, this is Lee Quinn for Coindesk. Tune in next week. We have every week really fun content related to Bitcoin and the future of money. Take care, guys.